Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can find at theoryofdfs.com. Joining with, with me this week is a, a, a DFS player slash certified public accountant, Pete Kwan, Daily Fantasy CPA. I figured it's, it's, March, it's March 16th. We got a month. We got a month to go before filing our taxes, and 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 one of the things that I, I had to learn playing professionally, if you want to use the term professional, uh, which probably matters a lot more in your field, on what de- what uh, that's one of the questions I'm going to have is what what determines whether or not you're a professional uh, is. Uh, it's always nice to you know you bank a hundred thousand dollars, right? You, I I won a hundred thousand, right? Or or you, you win you win win five thousand or something, and then at the at the end of the year, uh, you realize you're gonna have to give a bunch of that back to to the federal, state, local, and mm-hmm. uh, and if, if you're if you're not putting some aside, or you don't have savings, uh, you you may get you may get to the to April fifteenth and be like. Oh, 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 I owe like 20 something thousand dollars in taxes that that you didn't realize. It's like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't have bought that car. Uh, I don't know if people get into those situations. I mean, uh, but from from a from a tax perspective, I know I know you deal with uh, pro- obviously you have to be profitable. OK, let's let's get this. The, the point of this episode is not going to if you're a losing player, like you could just skip over this episode because right, you're, you're not going to. You're not gonna have to pay taxes. Is is there now, Pete? With uh, the the one of the one of the the weirder things about DFS compared to casinos and uh, the horse horse racing, horse track, uh, other forms of gambling, is that those forms of gambling are reported as W two Gs, while DraftKings and FanDuel report as a 1099 isn't technically that's that that shouldn't because because really what should should it be that like the amount of entries versus is your is how much you played and then your winnings you should be taxed on the winnings and then you subtract all your entry fees from there now i know FanDuel and DraftKings do that for you and then give you a 1099 but from a gut from the government's perspective from the irs's perspective since you're getting a 1099, aren't they aren't they technically treating it as you're an independent contractor of the sites rather than someone that's partaking in some type of wager or gambling activity? <laughs> yeah, so FanDuel and DraftKings uh, kind of operate under the assumption that daily fantasy sports is skill based, merit based, and so at the end of the year, for the time being, they are still issuing out. 1099 MISC forms instead of W2G gambling forms, unless you're playing, you know, FanDuel or DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, so with these 1099 MISCs, there's a little bit of wiggle room, right? Because in the eyes of the IRS, they define a trade or business as something that is engaged in regularly and for profit. And I guess with access to daily fantasy sports on, you know, your mobile device or your computer, you can even obviously play, you know, in your pajamas back at home. There's a lot of wiggle room to treat that activity 
as a trade or business, which goes on your form Schedule C on your 1040 return. So a lot of people uh, have this common misconception that you need an LLC that's separate from you know, your 1040 return to treat your DFS income as a trader business, but that's not necessarily the case. If you are playing regularly and for profit and your livelihood for the most part depends on daily fantasy sports, for the most part, that's a slam dunk. You can treat your daily fantasy sports winnings as a trader business and take all kinds of necessary deductions in relation to that generation of income. What, but doesn't that leave you? It looks because I view the tax implications of DFS in like three buckets. Like either you're either you're taking it as the other income, like as it as a hobby. So right. to, so you would t- whatever 1099s you get, you put in the other income, and that's yep. taxed as your. It, obviously, you pay self employment tax on that. So you would pay self employment tax if you were to treat your daily fantasy sports winnings as Schedule C, a trader business. But you would not be subject to self-employment tax if you were to treat it as gambling income, which is other income on page one of your 1040. Right, because that that would be considered like prizes, awards, like Mm -hmm. it's in that bucket. Right. Right. And and, uh, at the end of the day, that's usually the most unfavorable way to treat your daily fantasy sports income. Because at the end of the day, the only deductions that you have and can take are your gambling losses which can never go below zero. So you can only deduct gambling losses up to the extent of winnings. Whereas if you were to treat everything as Schedule C trader business, well, now you can get deductions for, you know, the portion of your expenses, you know, for a laptop, computer, TV, utilities that are, you know, used for your generation of your daily fantasy sports income. But so, doesn't that all, but I'm going to push back on you only because <laughs> I, I have an accountant who's a yeah. very conservative. Oh, okay? very he, con- right. He's, he's conservative and, but, uh, and he doesn't know DFS. So like, like to him, this is, this is weird. It just, <laughs> it's a, it all, I have to treat, I have to talk to him as if like, I'm getting a 1099 because I worked for DraftKings because right. I work like, he doesn't like right. it's because he'll, he'll come back at me and go, why isn't this a W2G like this? If you're, like, if you want to file as a professional gambler, like, he, he has no problem doing so. But his mm-hmm. attitude is scrutiny. He always mentions scrutiny. Right. So, like, in those three buckets of hobby, other income, so you treat it as just, like, prizes, you know, just, you. that's the least tax advantageous because you're just going to, that's just, you're paying whatever your tax bracket is and you get no deductions and you're just, you're, you're the done. If you, you treat Gambling loss. Right. If you treat it as a Schedule C, now that now you have your what your normal income would be plus mm-hmm. this side business mm-hmm. that has no business documentation to it, mm-hmm. and then the, the LLC S corporation is the mm-hmm. to me the most tax advantageous because yeah. basically that you're just an employee or an investor. You get either going to get a K one or mm-hmm. a W two from your business. And mm-hmm. and now you're just taking business expenses. But, but the way that my accountant always puts it with scrutiny is that mm-hmm. that middle one, the one that you mentioned by putting it on your Schedule C, opens mm-hmm. yourself up to more scrutiny from the IRS when it comes to deductions versus mm-hmm. if you had an LLC or an S corporation. Because his attitude is always, he always says to me, you can take the deduction as long as you have document. He's like, 
Like, are you audit proof? Because he'll always he'll always say to me, it's like you could say whatever you want on your taxes. Yeah. As if they don't audit you, you're good. But if they audit you, they yeah. you you need that. So the loss, like when he said, like, well, if you have gambling losses, it's like do you have documentation of that? Or uh, like if you're going to take business lunches. Do you have an agenda? Because that had to have been a business mean. Was the express purpose for business? Do you have an agenda? Do you have a like? You can't just take out. I just ordered pizza, and like <laughs> you, you can. Like he'll say, you can. But if they audit you, all these things are gonna. You're gonna get penalized. Same yeah. thing for the home office. Like like the yeah. like for instance, I have I have an office in yeah. my house right here. Uh, it's about 150 square feet, mm-hmm. and you used to at least. Be able to take like if your house is like, to, let's say your house is two thousand square feet and your office is two hundred square feet, and that's ten percent of your house. Then you could take ten percent of like your like your electricity bill and your like all those types of things. But my accountant says you can do that. Just understands that that's going to be like the red flag type of stuff that you're going to get audited for. So it would be much more beneficial to operate your DFS as its own separate entity mm-hmm. so and then as this own separate entity i still wouldn't be able to take off those i i mean you could but i don't maybe am, am i am i being too nitty on not taking off expenses like that because i'd rather not have the scrutiny from the irs yeah so i guess for the most part i agree with everything that you said and everything that you've been told by your accountant documentation is so important in the in the in the chance that you are indeed audited but i think where your accountant and i differ is kind of just our mindset and our understanding of daily fantasy sports period right i think that you know at the end of the day this is what you do for a living this is what you do on the regular you wake up in the morning do your research you set your lineups and you make you know, per, per, you know, the Roto tracker and, you know, how transparent you've been a decent amount of money playing daily fantasy sports, right? In the eyes of the IRS, you are engaging in an activity that is for profit and, you know, regular in, in frequency. And so, you know, it, it does depend at the end of the day on how risk adverse or how aggressive your accountant is. But to me, that is a slam dunk of, you know, a trader business, right? Yeah, and but I'm should... talking about the parts of like this. This is what I, I'm not. I'm not saying that my accountant's wrong and you're right, right. or he's right, right and you're wrong. That's I'm trying to highlight the fact that uh, going to someone like you, Daily mm-hmm. Fantasy CPA on Twitter, and you do right. take clients that are DFS players to do their taxes. That going to a normal accountant. Maybe they'll they may treat you much more conservatively because they don't understand the exactly. business as much. So like my, right. my my accountant would say like why can't like I get uh, like my cable, I I, I pay for cable because I get right. all the channels and I can watch what you know and watch sports. Right. But he'll say it's like well is that what is that exclusively for your business? Said so you never watch anything else other than so how you you can't take your cable bill off even though it's in part. Used for research, quote unquote, but it's not like my computer says it's like, is that is that the only thing that you used it on? And if you if you can't say that it's the only thing, 
lean towards more of the side of not taking it as a deduction. Well, this is where, I mean, I would disagree, right? So if you're using 10%, 20% of, you know, your television for your trader business of daily fantasy sports, I would I would argue vehemently that you can deduct for that 10 to 20% from your daily fantasy sports income, right? So why why wouldn't you be able to deduct a business ex- expense that is used to generate your business income? So instead of deducting for that full amount, I wouldn't agree to that, especially because part of your TV is used for pleasure, for other activities, et cetera, et cetera. But definitely for a small percentage of that expense um, related to that generation of income, to me, would be deductible. Right. I think I think his 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 attitude is more on the scrutiny end of like, how do you right. prove like he, he he's I mean, it's not like he's he's saying not to do it. He's just saying that. You could do it. Just understand right. that it may be more scrutinized and you make and this is the type of thing that you would get audited for. And especially with him not understanding DFS as much. Yeah. And yeah. and the even the guidance from the IRS is right. is not clear. Right. Do you want to be put in the position of getting audited and having them because it's not going to be up to you how that they view your specific case and next thing you know you're penalized and taxed and and all this type of stuff happens, or would you rather pay an extra X percent more to make sure that, like, you're not scrutinized? And my attitude is that maybe this, the lack of scrutiny is 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 less worth, like, me having to try to, because then I have to prove, it. like, when I get, if I, if I got audited, I never gotten audited, right. I would have to prove, like, that my office is, is, for this use and the TV, like, do I want to go through all of that for a, what, what type of, it may not be that big of a deduction. Like for me, like if I have subscription services, yeah, I like that's fully deduct. Like I, anything that's specifically for DFS, my roto tracker subscription, yeah. that'll deduct. I have no problem qualms whatsoever about yeah. it, but it like, but to say that my broadband bill, which is with the cable, everything together is like 250 bucks. For mm-hmm. me to like, how much of that is for like, yes, I need it for DFS, mm-hmm. but it's like, I also need it if my wife uses it. I mean, it's, it's a daily right. thing. So if let's say I, let's say I lowball and I'd say 10% mm-hmm. and I go 25 bucks a month, I'm going to deduct like mm-hmm. the IRS may think it's 8%. Maybe it should be 20, but like, do I, for that deduction is, do you believe mm-hmm. if you, uh, at a certain uh, amount of income, I know, mm-hmm. I know you're a CPA, so you think every deduction is, is worth it. But do you think that if, let's say, that was my only deduction of 25 bucks a month, $250, in the grand scheme, if, if I make $100,000, is it worth putting that red flag there than just not taking the deduction at all? So I think you're looking at it too, you know, in, such a, in just a small you know, focus. I think... Yes, if you only had that one minor deduction, at the end of the day, it probably wouldn't be worth it for you to be treating your DFS income as a trader business because you'd be subject to something called self-employment tax. Right. But um, I guess kind of to piggyback off of what you've said earlier, there are so many additional deductions that you are uh, definitely allowed to take as a trader as a trader business. Um, if you do decide to go that route, that doesn't just involve you know, your utility bills. So I'm talking, I think what you've alluded to was a home office deduction. Mm-hmm. And so that, that usually adds up to a couple thousand dollars, legal and professional expenses. So any accountant that you've hired, those are deductible expenses. Uh, like you said, 
subscriptions to any of the different tout sites that are you know available and out there that's deductible in full and i've seen like i said a, a portion of expenses for certain uh items that are used for the generation of income all adding up to thousands and thousands of dollars to be honest and at the end of the day it is a risk a, a more a slightly risky position to be taking right but there are as long as you have documentation and proof, it's tough even in the eyes of the IRS to argue against it, right? I'm, I'm kind of alluding to your situation specifically because you're right here in front of me. Uh, but if, you know, once again, you're doing this daily and for profit and this is what you do, how, how can you argue that this is indeed gambling income, right? You're getting, you're getting a form that's the 1099 MISC. You're not even getting a W2G, which is the gambling form. Um, you have the proper documentation and, you know, at the end of the day, even if you were audited, how could the IRS prove whether or not, you know, 8% or 10% of an expense was, it's, it's just, it's almost, it's such a moot point, right? Um, as long as you have proper documentation, as long as this is what you're doing regularly and for profit, to me, you know, my risk, risk, risk appetite as an avid player, and and someone that understands the game is that this is definitely a trader business that you are allowed to take, you know, on your schedule C 1040. Right. But I mean, I don't because I run it through an S corporation. But that yep. that's see, that's that's the second. That's the to, to me that to me, that's that's more according to my account. That's more of the the the, the safer. That's why that, that's the safer way of doing it. And also, for oh, instance, yeah. all the stuff that I do for Roto Grinders, all the, yeah. the stuff of the course, like yeah. everything is run through. Yeah. My my LLC, which is an S corporation, which yeah. and I'm assuming as of this moment on March 16th, if you if you can't, I don't I don't know I don't know the dates, but you can't run the S corp election if you are going to switch over. Like there, there there's a date where like if you have an LLC now, yeah, you would have to technically run an election and then inform, yeah. you know, the state. Uh, as you see, Pete, I I know I know something. I'm I'm yep. Jewish, so like when it comes to taxes and stuff, like it's almost <laughs> like naturally in my genes of yeah. like knowing some of this stuff. But let's say for, for some people that are like, well, I'd like I I could do it this I could do it obviously as the other income, which is the worst way to do it. But if you're playing regularly and you're playing for profit, which is kind of the point of this show, how to think mm -hmm. like a professional DFS player. Yeah. So if you're playing regularly and for profit, to do it on your Schedule C, or at least ask your accountant, or go to someone like Pete and have him do it to do it for you uh but the third way would be to either set up an llc or if you currently have one like the the difference between uh an llc and an s corp mm -hmm. is is the way that is uh, to me the, the the biggest differentiation on how you're able to pay yourself right mm, yeah so uh i'll chime in a little bit uh I think the election that you were alluding to earlier is the S Corp election, which is the form 2553 election that is due by March 15th for any calendar year LLC. So at the end of the day, an LLC can be taxed many different ways. It can be taxed as a corporation or it can be taxed as something called an S Corp, which right. once you file that form 2553, which is due yesterday. And for the record, you can file a late S election. You just have to file a little bit more paperwork. But most of the times this relief is granted if you are planning to file 
uh, as an S corporation. Right. But, but I mean, but typically LLCs, when you set them up as like a one per, it's, it's, it ends up being passed through. So I want, yeah. I can, can you explain? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I know the answer, but can you explain uh, the difference between having an LLC as a pass through for tax purposes versus having it as an, an S corporation, which essentially is a C corporation with less than, than 50 employees? I, I, no, it's it's a hundred. A hundred now, okay. I, I think it used to be whatever. It's it's for very <laughs> small, co- very small companies. Yeah. So usually, uh, when you form an LLC and as a single member, you're what's called a disregarded entity. Meaning, even if you do have an LLC, you can report all of your income uh, on just on your Schedule C. You know, tra- trader business, no separate you know tax filing. But once you elect once you make this 2553 S Corp election, at that point in time, you're electing for your LLC to be taxed as an S Corp. And at this point in time, you have a separate filing obligation. So in addition to your 1040, you have to file a tax return for your S Corp, which is on the form 1120S. And so what you're doing is you'd be funneling your daily fantasy sports income through this 1120S kicking over income on a form that's called the K-1 and then reporting that income directly on your 1040 return. And kind of to echo what your accountant has told you, it's definitely less scrutinized than than if you were to report everything on your Schedule C. That's for sure. And that's 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 very accurate. Right. I mean, that, that's the main reason why I'm doing I mean, it's it's like right. he basically said, if you want to start taking these deductions, it's much better yeah. to do it this way than and do it your way. And hopefully yeah. you don't get audited. <laughs> no, you have a, a great account. Most people are not structured this way. And the reason, you know, the reason that you're doing this, in addition to those deductions, are you are not subject to any self-employment tax on your daily fantasy sports income, except on the salary that you're paying yourself. No, but and even so- that. No, but truthfully. You don't even have to do that because, like, that's on K-1. So let's talk the difference of the – okay, we're, we're getting down the rabbit hole, Pete. Okay, sure. so if you set up an S-corporation, mm-hmm. the reason that – like, to me, the difference between an LLC pa- with the pass-through and an S-corporation is nothing. It all depends on whether – how of how you're paying yourself. So, for instance uh, – because essentially what you're doing is you're taking the – the business is – like, you don't have to pay – on LLC income, if it's passed through, you're going to have to pay self-employment taxes because so some entity has to pay the Social Security and the Medi- Medicaid, right? right? Yeah. So, like, for okay. instance, the way that I'm paid is via W-2. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, all the money that I make from DFS goes into Blender and Media, mm-hmm. LLC. Is that that's your LLC? Name? That's my LLC, right? That that's been my LLC since. That's why okay. I'm called Blender HD. Blender, I, I it's a bad religion song. It's when I had to come up with a company, Pete. You know, yeah. I didn't want to be Jordan Cooper LLC. I didn't like whatever. I wanted to come up with a company name since I come from the punk rock kind of hardcore scene. A lot of mm-hmm. times, you like you take you name your band a song from your favorite band, something you know as as whatever. So I'm like my favorite band's Bad Religion. Let me <laughs> let me. Go. I mean, I I know other songs. I'm like, what sounds good? Blender it, Blender it Media, because I produce okay. media. So it's like that's the name <laughs> of my company. So, the, so that's where Blender HD comes from. That's where Blender Ed gotcha. and all that comes from. But 
Uh, so you funnel everything through there. And then through that business, you take off all the deductions. You take, mm-hmm. And then you could also take off the losses from other sites. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you have to treat everything as, as a business. Like that's yeah. your that's your business. Any money that I make from Roto Grinders, any money that I make for consulting, every it's it's your it's going to that EIN. It's not mm-hmm. going to, like I'm not reporting it on my S, as my SSN. It's my my EI yeah. the, the, the 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 identification number for the LLC. Yeah. But now normally, if you don't if you don't have an S corporation, like mm-hmm. just if oh if that if that netted eighty thousand dollars. I, it would just be, you know, K one eighty thousand, and I'd end up paying self employment tax on that. But you could also in the S corporation, for instance, for let this is it all comes back to tax scrutiny. Everything is Pete. Everything I do is for tax scrutiny. Uh, <laughs> w W twos from mm-hmm. an employment perspective, as far as verifying income, this mm-hmm. is outside of like DFS is like the gold standard. So, mm-hmm. like, if I were to apply for a mortgage, if I were mm-hmm. to apply for credit or any type of type of lending situation, when mm-hmm. you're self-employed, it, mm-hmm. ta- it, it the, the paperwork and the scrutiny is like four or five times higher than anything else because that yeah. ju- just because you got paid this year doesn't mean you're going to get paid that year. Or what happens if your business is down? But yeah. uh, I I get paid from my S corporation. Yeah. What's getting my accountant said, because I, I said to him, I said, well, couldn't I just avoid playing self-employment tax if I just paid myself a dollar? And he goes, because you have to pay yourself what's considered a reasonable salary. Yeah. So, so you, you die, let me, you're the, you're the expert yet. I'm explaining it. Go, can, <laughs> can you dive more into like, uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming what I'm doing is smart. Uh, yeah. What you're doing is what you, what's necessary for S corps. So, uh, let's let's take a step back. Um, you once you form this LLC before you make this two five five three election, you're what's called a disregarded entity, meaning you do not have to issue any K ones at that point in time. Um, you're just reporting all of your trader business income from that LLC directly on your Schedule C. Now, once this form two five five three election is made. At that point in time, you're telling the IRS that you are wanting to be taxed as an S corporation. And as an S corporation, you're not subject to what's called self-employment tax, except on the wages that you are paying yourself through this W-2. Now, to your point, why not issue yourself a W-2 for a dollar, right? At the end of the day, your salary has to be reasonable, right? And so that amount is what you would pay somebody else to run your LLC, you know, if you had that option. So nobody in their right mind, you know, would, would, would take a dollar, you know, for, for a salary. And in the eyes of the IRS, that would never hold. But, you know, at the end of the day, the wages that you pay yourself is still subject to that self-employment tax. So. Well, either, well, it's either going to, either you're going to pay the self-employment tax or the business is going to pay payroll taxes. So it's going to, like it's yeah. going to end up being a wash regardless. It just depends on which entity pays it. Yeah. So uh, quite frankly, at the end of the day, you know, as as a shareholder of the S corporation, your goal, you're, you're trying to pay yourself the least amount of money possible to pay the least amount in self-employment tax. But it has to be a reasonable amount. That- now, 
from a, an income verification standpoint, like ad, in any way, in any way that you do it, like like we're talking about, like it's not a matter of uh, getting away with not paying taxes. It's just basically like what entity pays and how. Like you may get a slight break here and a slight break there, but we're not talking about things where. Like, oh, if I just did it this way, I saved $10,000 in taxes. It's unlikely to be to that extent. So, like, for instance, the, the reason why, like, I pay myself more, like, mm-hmm. you, like if you have an S corporation, mm-hmm. I pay myself via W-2 as well as K-1 as, mm-hmm. as the, the investor, the, the, you know, as the shareholder. Um, shareholder. But I always think in terms of... Uh, like lending situations and ver- verified income of like, like when my wife gets paid, she works for an employer. Like mm-hmm. no one screwed, like no one will ever scrutinize her income because <laughs> it's, it's documented as a W2 right. and people treat W companies, society treats W2s as, Oh, you're employed, which means you have a job. How long have you had this job? Five years. And you have a W2 for the past five years. Like, okay, we, we approve this loan. So, like, if I make $120,000, if my S corporation makes $120,000, like, I find it much more advantageous long-term to pay myself the W-2 income of that so that mm-hmm. I have verified, like, the past two, three, four years in the case that I do get a mortgage, get any, any type of credit situation. Yeah. Where, uh, like, because doing it like, oh, can I pay myself 60 and then 60 via K1? It's like, what's, how much am I saving? I mean, like, like it, it ends up coming out to pennies on the dollar, Ooh, essentially. I don't know about pennies on the dollar. I mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things. So self-employment tax is around 15.3%. But, so, so, but, the, but the company's paying that already via payroll tax. The W-2, mm-hmm. I'm not paying the self-employment tax on. Well, the company's paying... 50% of that, right? So so if if you were to funnel your daily fantasy sports income through this S corporation and you're paying yourself 60 grand, you're only paying self-employment tax on that 60 grand. On the K1 income. I would be paying the self-employment tax on the K1, not on the W2 income. W2 income I wouldn't be paying because the company is paying. Exactly, yeah. Right. So that so that to me putting it on the W2 is more advantageous than putting it on the K1. Mm, I think it, I think this cost savings add up a lot more than, than you may think. And I think off the record, I will definitely uh, put together something for you. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going by what my, the numbers and my account and whatever. This, this is why at daily fantasy CPA, this, I mean, obviously like my accountant, like the type of stuff that I'm doing, like, I'm like the only one that's like, remember I'm dealing with a normal, like this is a guy that's like mm-hmm. in his early sixties or so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like does stuff on paper, paper, yeah. like email, like I email stuff to him and he's like, he'll print it out. So this is, he's an old school type yeah. of accountant. Like, yes, he has a computer system, whatever, but he still has a computer that has like a tube thing, you know, like one of the tube monitors. Like, it's like, yeah. like you did you update your windows since XP type of type of things? So, uh, and obviously he's extremely experienced or whatever. And yeah. he, he did my, my normal business when I did digital marketing. So he did all yeah. of my come and, and great. I mean, whatever, but this type of stuff of like, like, 
well, you're a one person S corp. Isn't, is that, is that like, he, he questioned that, like, can you have a one person S corp? And it's like, well, according to the IRS, you can. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. And it's like, I'll set it up. Like, cause his attitude is that if you're an owner operator of the S corp, then it's, it, it has, to, it has, to, he's like, he's, he doesn't understand why it shouldn't only be pass through income. Yeah. Uh, I, or you don't even know. I, 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 that, that, this is I this know, is why I, I'm asking you. <laughs> no, I think I don't know what you're asking. You can have, you can be a sole member of you can be a single shareholder of an S corporation. Uh, if your accountant says you can't, I I don't agree with them. Okay, well, I mean, it, it, my accountant said that it's not like I can't. It's just that the 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 guidance and the laws kind of contradict one another as far as if you're because because in an S corporation. Like, for instance, like I used the only reason I ask, I, I say this is because I used to have a partnership. So my, right. my digital marketing business was me and someone else. Right. And I and one of you has to be de- dedicated as the own. You could be the owner operator mm-hmm. and one could be the investor, the silent partner mm-hmm. type of thing. Now, as the owner operator, I could get paid a salary and I could get a W-2 and he and my partner could get a K-1. He wouldn't get a W-2 because he's not doing any work. He's just the investor. So he's going to have to pay separate taxes on his K-1. But mm-hmm. if if I'm someone has to be the owner operator, my, my accountant would say someone has to be the owner operator of the business. You can't have an S corporation and have an employee that is not the own like the the person that owns the share, the main shareholder of the company. So if you have two of them, if you have two people Obviously, one person could be the employee of the company while another person could still own, you know, two people could own the company. One person can operate it. But if you're the if you're the only person who's you can't be the employee of yourself because you're still the only shareholder. So the I so basically he basically said that it, it's contradictory based on what his knowledge. Of course, he's never dealing with one person at S corps. So like okay. like all the stuff that I do with him is right. new to him because he's dealing with like the car wash or a doctor's office or right. personal, like he's not dealing with, with even if it's a financial advisor that has four employees, like smaller companies, but not in the cases where it's like, well, I'm, I'm the sole operator, but I'm also working at home. And I also have this business. And like he, he, he originally said to me before the S corporation he's like, you really should, this should only be passed through income. Like there should be no reason why, the only reason I have an S corporation is because I used to have a partner and then I bought him out and now mm-hmm. I still have an S corporation. So I'm just, tra- I'm just, I just said, I'm treating myself as a one person S corp. And, yeah. and basically he said, we'll keep on filing. But if, if they'd say anything, don't, don't come crying to me type of type of thing. Oh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a single member, you know, a, a, an S corporation with just one loan shareholder. No. Even even if you're pay, even if you're paying W two ink, I think the I think the main thing that he was saying is if you wanted to do a K one, mm-hmm. no problem. Like that that to, to him that that was that was fine. It's just a matter of how could you be the owner operator and an employee getting paid a W two at the same time. So it it might sound a little unorthodox, but it legal. it's legal. It's legal. Yes. Okay. It's, it's legal. It's, it's not. It's. It's not uh it's it's just a little untraditional, but I don't think it's it's illegal by any means. Right. But but does this hot does this highlight my questions? 
I'm I'm putting you under the fire because I'm I'm yeah, using my I, I mean I'm 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 being transparent. I'm using my actual tax like how I do my taxes to ask yeah. you questions. And maybe <laughs> I get I maybe I go to my accountant and go, Pete Kwan said I could do this, so do it. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't disagreed with anything that he's been doing. Um, but I think just to answer your early question earlier question, yeah, no, you you can have a sole member single member, you know, S Corp, no problem. Single shareholder S Corp. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I, th- I think this highlights why if, if you're a profitable, regular pro- DFS player, yeah, having an accountant that knows the business like yourself you, is you, much you more advantageous. Because like, look at the questions that I'm like, you're telling me that my accountant is actually pretty, pretty damn good yeah. at setting we, everything we, up. Yeah. We have agreed on almost, ev- on almost everything so far, except maybe just how risk adverse he is on that schedule C. But to, to your point and to his point, it is definitely heavily more scrutinized than that S corporation. So no, we, I think for the most part, you know, he and I might have to grab a beer because we are on the same page. Do, do you find, do you find that a lot of other accountants aren't on the same page? Yes. Yes. Especially some of the ones that are less open to, to understanding what daily fantasy sports is. So, you know, to them, you know, to, to, some of the more traditional accountants out there, they don't understand what daily fantasy sports is at all. You know, it's just, oh, fantasy football, fantasy basketball, you know, that's gambling, you know. But, you know, like I said, kind of backtracking from our conversation earlier, you're receiving a 1099 missed form. You're not even receiving a gambling form, right? You're playing regularly and for profit. You know, you have a strong case to treat your daily fantasy sports income as a trader business. Right, and, and then- most people... Yeah, most people just don't understand, you know, that there are actually people out there that play daily fantasy sports, you know, regularly for profit and, you know, to, to pay bills, right? But how how is this any different, though, to an accountant as if this was, a, a, you know, a pottery business? Like, couldn't you, couldn't you just explain to it, like, like I'm going to get a 1099 and then what, why do I even have to explain what it's for? Like... Just setting up, like if you wanted to set up an LLC or an S corporation for your pottery yep. business, it would be, it would be the same exact thing. But what you're what you're saying predominantly is that if you're obviously the 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 paperwork to set up an LLC, like that's a little bit more advanced. I right. mean, it, but it's not hard. I mean, you, legal yeah. Zoom could do it for crying out loud. Yeah, no, they can. Right, and, but and, but the thing and, is, is that a lot of people are in the situation now. It's March sixteenth, and they're like, mm-hmm. I've made. Fifty-five thousand uh, dollars. I don't want to. I, I, I re- don't realize I have to pay eighteen thousand dollars in taxes or something. And how do I? How do I file this? And most people are in the situation of, well, I'm going to set up an LLC, an S corporation. I'm going to file my payroll taxes. Like you're in the situation where it's like, do I put this under under other income or do I put it on my Schedule C? And yeah. to me, I think that's that's the predominant amount of people are going to deal with that rather yeah. than me who for the past five, like the third year in of me playing DFS, I knew that this was going to be a substantial yeah. part of my income. And yeah. I already had an LLC from yeah. my other business. So it's like, it was, it was kind of all set up for me and I planned on it being this way, but most mm-hmm. people don't have a plan. So, yeah. you, so really that first and second bucket is what you're dealing with more so than that right. if you wanted to set up all that other stuff, like that's something that you would do this year for next year's taxes. Correct. Correct. So, 
Yeah. To, to, so to your point, um, anyone that has significant income at this point in time should consider, you know, still filing as a Schedule C if they're playing regularly and for profit. Kind of what I what I said earlier was that uh, you don't need an, an LLC to 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 file your daily fantasy sports income under Schedule C. But, you know, to to echo what you said, you are correct. If you are planning to funnel your daily fantasy sports income through an S corporation for for two for the tax year 2021, you did need to file this form 2553 S corp election by March 15th, which was yesterday. Now, uh, this isn't meant to discourage anyone from from doing that. You can file late, you know, whether or not it's accepted by the IRS is another story. But, you know, most of the times they do file late S corp election. So anyone that is winning big in a, you know, in a daily fantasy sports contest from, you know, over the next couple of months should definitely try to retroactively, you know, file this S corp, you know, late S corp election kind of late. Um, but yeah, no, to, to your point, um, I think a lot of people just don't understand the tax implications of, of, of daily fantasy sports and winning. And so it's really important to just ask the right person, the right questions to kind of get that guidance. And so I guess if anyone here watching the show, you know, has questions in regards to, you know, their tax return, definitely ask your certified public accountant whether or not you can treat this 1099 MISC from FanDuel or DraftKings as a trader business if you are playing regularly and for profit. Um, I've corroborated information from, you know, other CPAs across the industry, you know, other professionals that all have independent CPAs. And for the most part, there is a high number of professionals out there that are on board with, with you know, my opinions and, and, and how I, and where I stand in terms of daily fantasy sports income. And so most of the times it's just about asking the right question to the right people and then trying to find, trying to, trying to make sure that your accountant is comfortable with the position that, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to be taking. Uh, if you're going to file uh, as a schedule C, does that impact, what, what are the impacts of that? If you're filing jointly ma- married jointly, yeah. Like as far as like the standard deduction goes, as far as like, cause you're now going to be itemizing deductions and it's not, well, I mean, aren't you, I mean, you're itemizing deductions for this business, but it may not be your primary business is I'm just asking, is there, is there anything different that you do if you were filing as you're just individual single head of household or something versus married filing separately versus married filing jointly like are there any implications on that where like your your wife has a job and like does it affect her taxes jointly well well, so collectively on your married filing jointly return you know you would be reporting this schedule c daily fantasy sports income under one of the taxpayers but at the end of the day it kind of all aggregates together on on you know your pages one through you know, your, your earlier pages of your 1040 return. So no, it's at the end of the day, not too big of an impact, whether or not you're filing single or married filing jointly. But it's mar- married filing separately. It would matter. No, that, that wouldn't matter either. It would, I, I thought, I thought if you're married filing separately, if one person itemizes, the other person has to itemize. Right. That's, that's definitely true. But 
I think when you're when you're saying itemize, I'm I'm kind of picturing you aggregating all of your deductions. That's right. That's, but I mean, if you're filing separately, obviously you can't be ag. But I I I'm this is such a weird case. I'm just bringing it up so, only because so, only because like for instance, like my if we if me and my wife were filing separately, mm-hmm. she would take she she has no deduct she has no normal deduction she would take a standard deduction but if i'm itemizing my deductions like she couldn't take the standard deduction so schedule c doesn't impact whether or not you take the standard deduction or if you're itemizing okay even even though i would but aren't wouldn't i be taking deductions such as the home office and all that type of business stuff wouldn't that count towards that not for itemizing no okay those deductions are i guess aggregated or i guess so I hate using the word itemize in this. They're they're aggregated on your Schedule C, but it doesn't impact your standard deduction or okay. whether or not you choose to itemize. So okay. completely separate. Okay, I'm just just yeah. I'm bringing up yeah. all the cases of people that have this and have that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the tax code is 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 confusing enough to people that yeah. it's like because everyone's situation may be different. Yeah. If you if you're single. If you're 20, if you're 27 year old single person living renting or whatever, like, <laughs> like that, this, the taxes are, are pretty easy to do, but once oh, yeah. it comes into you, like you're owning a home, you're getting interest income, you're getting, you know, you have children, you're getting uh, dependent credits. Like then it starts getting into like, should you, then, then someone like you, Pete could mm-hmm. look and see what the tax implications of different types of filing based on your it may be that someone with four kids or something like that, you 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 get a better like state credit or something if you have lower income. So like you keep your W two income lower, but you raise your K one income. So even though you're going to pay self employment tax, you actually get more credits because you have dependents and a, and a home mortgage. Like I'm just throwing all these things together variable wise, but yes. but that's yeah. that is what I mean. Your CPA essentially this is what you this is this is what you do for a living. Figuring yes. out the best way to pay your taxes. Correct, correct. So if, if you have multiple children, yes, you may receive a child tax credit. Um, you know, but yes, there are different ways to tax plan around your daily fantasy sports. And it does factor in many different variables that might be unique in your individual situation comparatively, comparatively to other people. Okay, uh, another topic. Okay. It has nothing to do with, it, ha- it has to do with taxes. Uh <laughs> Similar to the stock market, tax harvesting. Okay. Like at the end of the, like for instance, depending on how you're filing, let's, because we have a situation where, let's say you play on multiple sites. You play on DraftKings, you play on FanDuel, you play on uh, Yahoo, you play on SuperDraft, maybe you're playing on Underdog, you're doing best ball stuff, you're playing on No House Advantage, you're playing, you're playing on all these places where you're going to get a 1099, yeah. From it. But let's say I'm up a hundred thousand on DraftKings and I'm down twenty thousand on FanDuel and I'm I'm down five thousand on Yahoo, but up ten thousand on SuperDraft. Now obviously if you're filing through an S corporation, you know, that that all just becomes whatever it is. But for, you if you're filing that. right, I, 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 let me get the, let, let, let me make this cl- the first point clear is that if you're filing as a trade or a business or as an S Corp or an LLC did the losses from one site could counteract the, the winnings on another site, but you couldn't do that if you're treating it as a hobby 
as 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 prize income. So at the end of the day, whether or not you treat your daily fantasy sports income as gambling, as Schedule C trader business, or as an S corp, you can net all of your winnings or losses from one site across the other, as long as you're just consistently treating all of your income the same way, income and loss the same way. Well, you say the word consistently. I think that's the big word. Yeah, no, as in you can't treat your FanDuel winnings as a Schedule C trader business and then, you know, treat, you know, other DFS related sites as gambling income or loss. You, you have to consistently, you have to, you have to be consistent with the treatment of your daily fantasy sports. What, what happens in, in past years? Let's say, let's say I fucked up, Pete. Let's say, <laughs> let's say for the past four years, I've been putting my DK 1099s as prize winnings. But this year I'm going on, I'm a business now. Are you going to get more scrutiny by doing it that way? So it's, I think for the first year, it's, it's, a, it's more than acceptable, right? So if you didn't know that you could be treating your daily fantasy sports income as a trader business in the prior year, and then, in, you know, the secondary year, you know, so you watched, you know, your show here and determined that you could treat your daily fantasy sports income as a trader business. Well, then that, that reclass from prior year to this year is more than okay, right? But then going forward, if the facts and circumstances haven't changed, you're still playing daily fantasy sports regularly and for profit. You need to consistently be treating your daily fantasy sports income as Schedule C, right? You can't just swap back and forth from year to year to pay the least amount in tax. That's tax evasion, which is illegal. But I mean, you could do it by accident, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, but I mean, is there is there how how would you pay less tax by treating it as as gamble? I mean, isn't that the least ad, tax advantageous position to have anyway? Oh gosh, I don't mean to complicate the situation for any of the viewers, but no, say, no, I want to no, I want to because yeah. to me it's a it's a it's a it's a math problem because I'm like, well, no, like putting it as other income is the worst. What like. How 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 is flipping back and forth going to end up me pay, paying less taxes? I can answer this question. Good, oh, good. Gosh. I'm interested now. Now I'm interested. Jordan, say say you say you today win a million dollars off of DraftKings or FanDuel, right? Um, and which, which the only way I could do that right now is if I rob Big T. But no, <laughs> but uh, but no, in, sure, in PGA. Sure. But okay, so. but let's say let's say let's say I did. Okay, I, I won a million dollars. Great. Okay. I'm, I, I I love the Pete. I love the yeah. story so far. I love it. So if you were to treat that million dollars as a trader business, you're subject to self-employment tax 15%. So <laughs> we can aggregate all the deductions that you might possibly have for your trader business of daily fantasy sports. But I don't know if it's going to top, you know, that percentage of self-employment tax right. that you would now be subject to that you wouldn't have been subject to if you reported everything as gambling income. Right. Oh, oh, so now if I, oh, now I get it. Cause then, and the, and the years that I make the least amount of money, I'm, I do it as a business and the ones that I make the most, oh, and I get around the self-employment tax. Inconsistent, illegal tax evasion. Stay away from it. You're going to, well, hopefully you don't go to jail, but you, you may go to jail doing, you know, shady shit like that. Right. But I mean, but that, but that, that's one of those things that would be a red flag. Correct. Like I could like, like I, I view, I view it as like, how many red flags do you want to put on your tax form and how risky are it's like it's like do you want to play do you want to play cash games or do you want to play GPPs right I want to play the nice heads up I want the double ups like any any red flags 
I want to, I'd rather have, not have the IRS scrutinize yeah. my taxes, especially with multiple businesses and income streams. And yeah. it's not, it, to me, it's not even the headache. It's not even yeah. like, well, yes, you have all the documentation. All It's like, you never know how tax laws are. You never know, you know, they, they you end up having a lien on your house for, and then you have to prove otherwise. I mean, you see, you hear about all these nightmares. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously if you're going through a CPA, you're, you're much, to me, you're much more protected yeah. from, from the IRS than you are by just, I'm going to do it myself. And, uh, if, 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 uh, the FBI shows up at my door with handcuffs. I know I did something wrong. Oh gosh! But yeah, but you're not. Let, let me just make it play. As a CPA, you know this. Like no one. Uh, I think the better advice would be, if you don't know what you're doing, at least file your taxes. Because you're not. You're never going to go to jail for filing your taxes wrong. You're going to go to jail for not filing your taxes. Well, I th- I think uh, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe maybe seek the opinions or or the advice of a licensed professional would probably be. Well, that would be the best, but before, but, before you file your return. right, but but underneath that, but I mean, there has to be Pete. We 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 know we we know people. I mean, because DFS is a bunch of you know investing in top shots, investing in this and Bitcoin okay. and all this type of stuff. Yet yet you have to think that there are twenty somethings that are you know get the 1099 from DraftKings and like it never appear there's there's no there's no 1040 on record because like they don't have a regular job or anything like that that it's just like it's out in the ether and screw it I'm not going to file my taxes like Mm -hmm. like that's something you could go to jail for like Mm -hmm. even if you filed your taxes let's say Pete worst case scenario for it's your first year of being profitable at DFS you, you were a loser. You didn't understand any of the tax stuff. You won $500,000 and you, you spent it all. You, you just did. I, I withdrew it from DraftKings. I spent it all. And then you get a 1099 and apparently you owe $140,000 in taxes or something. Uh, 120, whatever, somewhere around there. Uh, now obviously you don't have it because you, you spent it all on, on cocaine and hookers. Who knows? You spent it all on something. Uh, the worst thing that you should do is to not file your taxes. Like, Correct. like, like you're going to owe the $120,000, but you're not going to go to, you know, you know it's not going to be tax evasion. It's just going to be the IRS will try to put you on as best, best of a payment plan and give you as much of a, like, like people are afraid of the IRS. And it's more the fact of like, like most of the time they're, they're overworked at, like, they're not going to find out as it is. Most likely, unless it's an egregious case, and if if you can't pay your taxes, it's going to be like like as long as you're working with them, yeah. as long as you're open, like you'll be fine. But if you're trying to hide stuff and not file, that's when you know you may not you may not get it now, right? It's like oh, I got away with not paying one hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of taxes. Trust me, probably fifteen years from now. Uh, you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get a letter in the mail and uh, the, the, the Piper is going to come at some point. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people out there, a lot of, especially the 20 somethings maybe listening to this episode going, screw it. I, I'm just, I ain't going to pay it. I'm going to, you know, liquidate it, put it all in Bitcoin and do all these transfers, do like money laundering types of activities. And especially in the digital age that we live in now, like 
if anything, at least at least file your tax. Let them be wrong rather than not file them at all. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, if you do make more than six hundred dollars on on DraftKings, FanDuel, you know any of the other DFS sites, you're going to be issued this 1099 MISC form, um, and you're not the only person getting this receiving this form. The IRS is going to be getting a copy as well. And so at the end of the day, to Jordan's point, it is very important to at the very least, you know, file for the file this income on your tax return. Right. Um, and I don't know exactly how much, you know, most of the times you just get penalized, you get, you know, you penalized and, you know, the IRS tax on a little bit of interest here or a lot of interest, depending on how much. Well, typically, I think it's up to two and a half percent of the total. It's like 0.5% okay. per month up to 2.5%. Right. Something but, like, you would know more than me. I, I don't know. What, what, I, I, I've looked into this. I mean, obviously, it's like, well, yeah. if you don't pay on time, you're going to pay this and whatever. Because cause people, they win a lot of money and then they just go up. I forgot about the, I forgot about the taxes. Yeah. And I think, but, I, think, I, I, I think the worst thing, I, I'm going to repeat it again, the worst thing to do is to not file. And when people, even Pete, if let's say, Pete, if someone won $400 on DraftKings over the course of the year, you're, you're, you're supposed to report that. You're, you're, you're legally supposed to report that income. The difference is, is that there will not be a paper trail for that. So what, as Got a it. CPA, Pete, as a CPA, if someone came to you and said, I won $300 on, on DraftKings, do I have to report that income? Are, you're going to tell them yes, but you're going to kind of wink and go, no one can prove that you won that, really. You, oh, maybe you don't have to. You're going to get me in trouble. Any amount, even if you're not receiving a tax form, under $600. So if you made $599 or less, you're not getting a tax form. But it is still technically taxable income that you should be reporting on your tax return. The IRS it might might not be able to to track this, but that is still taxable income that you should be reporting on. Right. Just like if you, if you went around the neighborhood and offered to, to, oh, to mow yes. other people's lawns and they paid you $20 in cash and you, and you're supposed to like, if I went to my neighbor right now and said, I will mow your lawn for 20 bucks and they paid you 20 bucks. I'm supposed to report that 20 bucks under other income. The question yeah. comes in is that how could you possibly get audited on that type of transaction? So like, I think that's that's the wink wink that you give. But as a CPA, you you can't tell someone, no, you don't have to report that. Correct. Correct. I can't make you report anything, but you're not. But if if you're not getting a tax form, if you make under six hundred dollars in net profit, you know, across the sites. So uh, I, can, I can't make you report anything, but it is still technically taxable income. Uh, tax harvesting. Are there okay. any strategies at the end of the year? So let's say. I'm up X amount on this site, down this site, up this site, whatever. When it comes to obviously aggregating that together in some fashion, whether it be in an LLC, S Corp, Schedule C, whatever, also based on your current, like let's say this isn't the only thing that you do. So is are there is, is there are there instances because we hear this from some professional DFS players yeah. of like I'm going to play. I'm going to play high volume in December to yeah. reduce my tax burden. Yeah. In worst case scenario, you're, you're, you're worsening, you're lowering your tax burden. In best case scenario, you're winning more yeah. money. 
Yeah. Uh, and does that have to do with like what tax bracket you're in and how how you've set up your DFS play? Because there has to be an advantage of of like, well, if I if I if if I could get myself underneath a certain tax bracket, like just underneath it, like I'll actually pay less taxes than if I'm just right above it. Like what 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 implications are there at especially at the end of the year? Because you know you know like you know that. You know kind of what your tax implications are going to be, right. more or less. So are yeah. there things that, that, that DFS players can do Yeah, at, so, in December-ish that may sound weird in January, but makes <laughs> sense in December? Yeah, so at the end of the year in December, you'll, you'll kind of understand per, you know, Roto Tracker what the amount of net profit that you have from daily fantasy sports is. And so if you are profitable in the early weeks of December and say you've made close to $100,000, well, every single dollar that you technically lose for the rest of December, um, you're actually, you know, only losing, you know, 60 cents per the dollar, you know, assuming, you know, if, if I'm being really, you know, conservative here, you know, a, a federal tax rate. You know, in the 30 percent and, and also state tax as well. Right. Um, and so if you're profitable at year end, you can I wouldn't call it tax harvesting. I'd call it more of a tax shield in which you're kind of paying less in tax from additional losses that you've incurred in the month of December and or potential more more gains that you have for the rest of the year. So um, I guess if you are a high volume player or even just a casual player, you can kind of determine where where you stand where you where you where you kind of stand at the end of the year in December and then either play a little bit more aggressively and or you know play a little you know lightly too it's it's personal preference there but the idea is for every dollar that you're losing you're paying that much less in tax you know on it right and you're doing this more in December because you know you're you're yeah. you have more of a sense it, it's it's technically the same as you doing it in February, just that yeah. that you don't yeah. know if you're gonna have a you you don't want to have a losing year. You just want to make money, but yeah. at least in December, if you're up, let's say you're up four hundred thousand dollars, and now you're in a much higher tax bracket, and it's like, well, me playing the the, the Thunderdome is not as costly now yeah. as it would have been when I didn't have four hundred thousand dollars worth of profit for this year back in February, and hey, if I win the Thunderdome for thirty k. Yeah. Great, I make more money. And the worst case scenario, I'm getting a discount off of my taxes. So I think one thing that I wanted to kind of reference was was something called the marginal U.S. tax rate, which means that at the end of the day, say, uh, I, I don't know the tax bracket off of my head, but say, you know, you made $100,000 in income and, you know, the, the bracket says that, you know, over 100000 you know, you're, you're getting taxed at a higher rate. Well, you're not suddenly pushing your tax bracket to be at this higher, you know, rate. It's it's the U.S. has a system called the marginal tax rate in which your first dollar is always going to be taxed at the lowest rate. You know, it's 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 after you hit that certain threshold and that tipping point in which the next, uh, I guess, amount of income is taxed at that higher rate. That kind of makes sense. Right, right. People people don't get that that. 
If you make a five hundred thousand dollars a year and you're getting taxed X, you're not getting taxed X on the entire five hundred thousand. If your tax bracket starts at one twenty two, it's all the money from one. If you if you, if the tax bracket starts at one hundred twenty two thousand and the tax and and you made one hundred twenty four thousand, it's like the only extra tax you're paying is on the two thousand extra. Yes, that bingo. that's their bracket. It's not the bingo. whole thing. So so yeah. you're not doing anything cute by. Can I lose another two thousand dollars to save money? It's like no. Yeah. It's just that two thousand is just being taxed at a, high, a slightly higher rate you got as it. you go up. But you of course, it. as your rate, as the profit, I mentioned that the profit zones because obviously making four hundred thousand dollars in DFS, like three hundred thousand of it is being taxed at that rate versus your first hundred thousand at that rate. So maybe you get you get you get more of a tax discount the more money you make, right? Because if you're at the tax bracket, if you're if you're up $3 million in DFS, like, yeah, the first uh, 38,000 of it is being taxed at one rate, and then the yeah. next 50,000 at another rate. Yeah, but right. you have so much, but so much is being taxed at the highest yeah. marginal tax rate that yeah. if you want to get more aggressive in December, you're going to actually get more of a discount. I think, I think that type of, I'm calling it tax harvesting, I don't know what you do. You call a tax shielding, call it uh, more of a tax shield, but yeah, I, I I think it's more it's more beneficial to think of that when you're in those zones versus yeah. like oh I'm up eight thousand this year should I be like dude like don't don't yeah. base don't try to lose money to like yeah. at at that range it's more of the six figure seven figure range where you're thinking more about that. Uh, Which is a good problem to have. In DFS, if you're in that range for a year, like that's a good problem to have. Yeah. I, I think of tax harvesting more as like, you know, for like stocks in which you're you're kind of selling at a loss to offset some of your gain. Yeah, Whereas, but that's but isn't that what I'm doing? Isn't isn't yeah, I'm playing I'm I'm playing a contest, not yeah. hoping that I lose, but if I do lose, it offsets it's yeah, kinda it's I know I it's not technically the same, but I'm that's it's why the same. I call it more of a tax shield, right? But it's but it's the same mentality you'd have right. for stuff. Yeah. It's no, a, I, t- I, that's why I view it the same way. It's like this, like I'm not going to sell this at, in December at a loss yeah. if I don't plan on holding for five years and I already have realized gains. And if I just sell right now, all those realized gains go to zero, and I'm like, yeah. I don't have to pay. Like, like that's <laughs> essentially what that. It's the same mindset, right? Yeah. No, I think uh, like DFS tax harvesting is like you know setting like a bunch of placeholder lineups and just intentionally losing yeah but why would but, you do that there would be no benefit to do it. we don't want to we don't want to do that that's right. why i consider more of a tax shield you know try at the end of the year maybe a little bit more aggressively um and then if you're profitable you know more power to you if you if you if you lose you know you're losing less on the dollar are there any other tips tricks things strategies or mistakes that you see uh dfs players that are playing to make it clear yeah, regularly and for a profit. Because obviously, if you're not doing either of those, then you're just putting in other income. There's nothing that that's that's what you do. Um, yeah. Did is there anything that you see people making mistakes doing? I mean, in in your practice, in other from other accountants that so, or or in their play. I mean, like obviously, like we mentioned before, like you don't you shouldn't intentionally lose. Right, it's like, oh, I'm up ten thousand. I don't want to pay taxes. Let me purposely lose ten thousand. Like that's not smart. So, are there yeah. any other types of things? I know, I know you have a a guide mm-hmm. that that you sell that yeah. I I have not read, but it's I mean, okay. it's 
but it's I mean, it, I assume it, it covers most of these types of oh, things yeah. if you're going to do it on your own. Oh yeah. But, but so, what, what 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 other types of advice that you get other than uh, contact you at Daily Fantasy CPA on Twitter and <laughs> and pay you to do it? Because I yeah. think a lot of people would just rather just go uh, I, instead of me getting this this guide and me doing it myself or showing it to my accountant, Pete. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you just just fuck it, just put your hands up and say, Pete, you do it. <laughs> so I think a lot of the times, um, a lot of these daily fantasy, you know, DFS players will get these tax forms at the end of the year and just take it for what it's worth and you know assume that DraftKings or FanDuel issued them correct amounts, right? <laughs> Oftentimes, I feel that there are a lot of mistakes, um, not pointing any fingers, made internally within you know some of these different sites, and you shouldn't take what they give you on a tax form, you know, and assume that it's a hundred percent accurate. It's that. Let, let's just make it clear: it's never a hundred percent accurate. It's 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 literally never. It's uh, it's either it's either really close <laughs> or really off, but it's never completely accurate. Yeah. So I, uh, I and also I, and also Pete, you have to understand. Uh, it, you can't just go by Roto Tracker because they're yeah. going to take into account all the rewards and everything. Like, like if, if you contact them, they'll 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 itemize it down a little bit more. Yeah. But like in in my experience uh, from DraftKings, because I don't I never played that much on FanDuel to ever get a ten night because I was like ninety nine percent DraftKings. Yeah. So like this is the first time I'm getting a FanDuel ten ninety nine. Uh, <laughs> not because I was not profitable. I just was barely playing on FanDuel. Yeah. Uh, but on DraftKings, like. Every single year I've gotten a 1099. It's it's if you compare to Roto Tracker, it will be it will be off to five hundred, a thousand bucks or something. And then a lot of times that's all the rewards and stuff that Roto Tracker is not taking into account because it yeah. treats it as actual dollars played. But yeah. there are inst- it never happened to me, but I know other people where their yeah. their 1099 is off in the thousands upon yeah. thousands and, and it yeah. wasn't actual and it wasn't because of reward it was just an, it just it was just a fucking mistake it was just egregiously incorrect yeah no i I've, I've seen that you know a couple of times and it's you know i i do feel bad cuz a lot of people just get their 1099s and like it is what it is you know time to file but you know oftentimes they they do make mistakes so it is important you know circling back to what your accountant said to keep a detailed and accurate report and to reconcile, you know, any differences that you might not be able to, uh, that, that you're kind of noticing. Would you consider, would you consider Roto Tracker or a, some type that you could have your own proprietary Excel or whatever to be yeah. like the best form of DFS bookkeeping there could be? It is very convenient. I'll tell you that. Um, well worth the 200 something dollars in annual, you know, expense that's completely deductible on your uh, tax return for the record. Right. But I mean, if let's say you did get audited by the IRS, like there can't be a better record than here's all the contests. Here's a literal, here's yeah. a, here's the, here's the receipts. I mean, it's yeah. literally the receipts of every single entry I've yeah. ever played ever in the, I mean, like, like how, how, oh no, we're not going to take the, this is, I mean, the IRS is willing to take written notes yeah, that you could technically forge and just say I made this up. Was, so if they can't take Roto Tracker, I don't know what else would be more would well, be better. I think uh, I think just Excel spreadsheet. You know, just exporting your entire CSV history on the year and keeping everything in Excel. You couldn't you couldn't do anything. I mean, I think that's more than acceptable. 
right? Unfortunately, you don't, or fortunately, you don't receive a 1099 MISC for any DFS loss, right? And so it's up to the taxpayer to keep a detailed record of all of their, you know, transactions. And so at the end of the day, definitely keep a running, you know, record on on in Excel in Ro- which which you know it's in Roto Tracker. I can track all my losses in Roto Tracker. Right. But but in theory, you know, that should tie to your CSV report, which is on you know your Excel spreadsheet, right? So yeah, you would ideally you should ideally have both. Right. And and lastly, because I see this on, on Reddit all the time. Oh. The, 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 these tax credit the, the tax questions on Reddit are always the most hilarious and on Facebook. Twitter is a little bit a little bit a little smarter people, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the, the the 1099s and none of this have anything to do with deposits and withdrawals. No, 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 no. Oh my gosh. I know that, that we should have covered this in the very beginning because so many people are like, well, if I leave my money in an account and never withdraw it. Like, do I pay the tax? Do I pay the tax on the d- deposit or like none of that even like that's not even part of. No, anything. You're, you're not taxed on deposits or withdrawals. It's your net profit at year end. If it's over six hundred dollars, you're getting a tax form in the form of a 1099. If it's under, you're not. But it's still technically reportable income. Oh. <laughs> uh, whether or not you choose to report that under six hundred is up to you, but it's still reportable income. But to your point, you do not receive a 1099 for any losses. Uh, keep a detailed record of that. And then so you can take them off on your winnings. Correct. And hopefully putting as gambling or schedule C or funneling through an S Corp, you can deduct as long as you can net you can net your winnings or losses across sites. Right. And just now now you're up to more scrutiny. <laughs> I think that's that's the key. I it, it, Pete, am I am I too much of a tax in it? No, any any deduction you're you're uh you're going to you know be under more scrutiny. You know, by the definition of the IRS, any expense is decreasing taxable income, right? And so you're reducing the amount of taxes owed, you know, your tax liability at the end of the day. Any expense will trigger more scrutiny from the IRS. So would you consider, okay, this is, it's kind of, to me, this is like a paradox in a way. Mm-hmm. A nit is someone that is like, like cares about saving like the smallest, like chasing Uh-oh. up the smallest, like would I be considered a nit? Would a tax nit be someone that takes like every little deduction or someone that isn't aggressive at all and is like too conservative on that? See, see, I don't even know. Like, wouldn't the nit be someone that, uh, did I buy a light bulb for my office? Deduct that. Well, you know, like those types of things. But to me, the risk averseness comes out of like just not wanting to be audited. Yeah. So like I'm more likely to just say, what's what's the $2 light bulb being worth being audited for? Let me just, who gives a shit? Yeah, no, it's, I, I mean, at the end of the day, kind of have to run a cost benefit analysis. I wouldn't waste time on deducting for any light bulbs, but, you know, just keep in mind that in aggregate, everything kind of adds up. And I'm, you know, some of these smaller expenses might pile up to be larger expenses or deductions that you're getting on your tax return. But, uh, no, I think for the most part, I am, uh, I wouldn't. I, I. I. think I'd like to say that I uh, like to file return. You know, my individual return in a way that's most favorable to take advantage of the law as it is written. Um, you know, to to reduce my tax liability as much as possible. Right, because uh, that, that, isn't that what rich people do? That is what rich people do. They uh, they know to ask the right questions to the right people. Um, right. 
So the, so, the, so the right questions, we've been talking about the right questions. Oh, for sure. There's a there, so I think what I wanted to say is there's a difference between tax avoidance, which is completely legal. That's smart tax planning versus tax evasion, which is illegal. Um, so it's important to be on the fine line, the correct you know side. The correct side, obviously. But the yeah. right people would be you. So yeah. are, are you are you busy? Are, are you are you you're, you're probably extremely busy now this <laughs> next month. But if, yeah. if, if people have questions and people want you to file and help tax plan, they could they could contact you to, on on Twitter. I mean, yeah. do you have a, so do you have a website to, and the guide and everything? I want yeah. people to know. I want people to know this. Where can they find you? You have to. You, you, you're maybe good at tax tax stuff, but you're not good at marketing. So so how can yeah, people how can people find fired, all this man. stuff out? Woo! Shots fired, man. <laughs> uh, I think at the end of the day, Twitter is probably the best way to reach me. Uh, just if anyone has any quick or even difficult tax related questions, um, my DMs are, you know, always open and I'm usually pretty responsive. Um, but yeah, to your point, you know, next month's month will probably be pretty busy for me. Uh, I I do not have my own website, but I do have my own course. It's called, you know, daily fan plan tax planning around your daily fantasy sports winnings. It's in the bio and my Twitter link. Definitely not the best marketer on planet Earth, but you know, for anyone that's more interested in in the subject and/or planning to self-file on their own with, you know, a significant amount in winnings, it, it'll definitely be more of a step-by-step guide for for anyone planning to file self-file using using TurboTax or H&R Block. So, okay. are you going to be able to file their taxes via DM also? <laughs> definitely not. Can I say? Can I say? Can I send you my? I got I got some stuff here, right? <laughs> well, you already have a guy. I, I already filed. I already I my, my taxes are already filed in. I already paid. I'm I'm uh, you're I'm, one of the good ones. I yeah. I think a lot of people tend to wait until the last minute, you know, hold on to their paychecks for as long as they can, you know, before filing like the week of April 15th. Well, I but, mean, no no, don't you find that people that are expecting a refund file early? Oh yeah. Right, but obviously I never get. I I'm always paying taxes. So, so you're making estimated payments? No, I'm never making estimated payments. Oh, so you you already owed though? Yeah, I know I already owed. Okay, okay. No, no, see, no. To see the difference is is that I like April fifteenth is when you have to pay. Doesn't mean right. You like I think I think people get that mi- misunderstood. Right. It's like I don't right. mind filing my taxes early, but I, I ain't gonna fucking pay them until April fifteenth. <laughs> If I could use the money, I mean, obviously, I, 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 I'm fine doing it before then anyway. But it's it's the type of thing where, like, you shouldn't be like, oh, I I can't, I don't want to pay the money. Like, just fi- you yeah. can file as long as you have all the paperwork and done. You know, obviously, yeah. DK and Vandal, they they always have to file an extension. You're never going to get the goddamn fucking yeah. ten because you need that because because that's going to be filed with the IRS, and then you have to make sure that's correct. So you can't really do anything until you get that. So once I, at that point, once I get the shit from DK, I'm like, let me file this fucking thing. And worst case scenario, I don't pay until the 15th. Yeah. But I mean, most of the time I'm just, I'm just like, whatever it is, it's coming out of my, it's coming out of my money market account anyway. So just like, whatever is the, here's the routing number and fucking take it whenever the hell you need it. Yeah, no, you are completely right. Uh, People can file for an extension of time, but not an extension to pay. That's still due. You know, for individual return filers, April 15th, you know, your S-Corp extension and return was due March 15th, which is, 
you know, part of the reason why I'm sure you got all of that done already. But, no, no, I, 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 I got, I got this. Oh, you got an extension of time to file. Yeah. Well, I had to. DK is too. How am I supposed to do this now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had. What, what else am I supposed to do? I mean, when I, you don't get the, the shit until like two weeks before the deadline, and then yeah. you have an account that's like, I can't get this done in time. Like, I got fucking. There you go. The extension. Whatever. You might have to switch the FanDuel. They sent us uh, tax forms first, second week of February. So. Gave but still, second week of February isn't 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 that <laughs> dramatically better? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. No, but this this coming tax year, I'm gonna I'm gonna be up on Fanduel. I've been doing well on Fanduel, so so maybe oh, okay. maybe maybe it'll 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 I'll get them quicker. Yeah, I I really only play on Fanduel, um, but I think more. I think you know I've 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 started seeing a bigger presence and bigger contests in DraftKings, and so I may start taking some of my business over there. We'll see. Yeah, because you also play. It's not like you're just a CPA. Oh yeah, no, you actually be, play. That'd be super boring. Yeah, right? no, <laughs> that would be <Yeah>. super boring. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm already a bean counter, and I'm just staring at Excel spreadsheets. Why not do it after work too, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so. so Pete at Daily Fantasy CPA, follow him there. You you also you're a pretty decent tweeter. So oh, some of your tweets are kind of like dry and ironic or, or something. <laughs> Well, I, I tend to try to relate to, you know, some of the people that, you know, read my tweets. A um, little bit of self-deprecating humor here and there, but, you know, we're on Twitter for a little bit of a scroll, you know, and not, you know, I, I don't mean to bore everybody to death with Twitter tax knowledge. And so I try to keep it light and entertaining at times. <laughs> well, follow him there. You can follow me at BlenderHD on Twitter. You can always find the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player, the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.